Take your enjoyment of Smodco Podcast to the next level by checking out a live Smodco show. Iowa City gets an evening with Kevin Smith on April 9th. Kev inflates the Helium Comedy Club with two shows on April 10th and again on the 11th in St. Louis. Get old with Jay and Bob Thursday, April 14th at the Irvine Improv. April 15th means two things. Your taxes are due and you need to catch Babylon at the Hollywood Improv. Mike and Ming are at PopCon April 15th and 16th in Evansville, Indiana. Monday, April 18th, Charlotte, North Carolina gets Kevin for two shows. April 19th, Kev performs twice in Richmond, Virginia. An evening with Kevin Smith in Atlanta on April 20th. Austin, get ready for Kevin Smith's solo at the Moon Tower Comedy and Oddity Fest, April 22nd. April 22nd through 24th, Muse hits Motor City Nightmares. Jay and Silent Bob get old in Austin on April 23rd. Jersey reunites with Kev in Atlantic City on April 30th. Tickets to these and all Smodco shows are available now at Smodcast.com. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Y'all have to admit it, we all know it. Pouring and or measuring detergent is a huge waste of time. It's a hassle, and nobody has time for it. I'm going to be straight up honest with you all, Brain Trust. What up, y'all? Thank you for tuning into this here podcast. Uh, you have to hear it. It's, it's the best way to consume it. A lot of people try to watch it, and you can't because it's not televised or streamed. So the podcast will not be televised, as was predicted decades ago. Um I believe in my heart of hearts this episode will be one of the truly new, leaner, shorter ones. Last week was, but this one especially, um, as there's not an enormous amount of interesting news from last week, and I have the craziest schedule tomorrow and had the craziest schedule today. Just today, I was in New York this morning, did the Today Show very early in the morning, then did the Maggie Linton Show on Sirius Satellite Radio, then did the John Fugel saying, tell me everything political show on Sirius LA Radio. Then flew back to LA on the plane, watched the Wisconsin primary results while reading about the Obama Doctrine in the Atlantic, while reading uh, uh, transcripts of Bernie Sanders' supposedly disastrous interview with New York Daily News. I'm halfway through. I don't find it disastrous at all. Um, a little lacking specificity, sure, but I don't think a president needs to know every single detail before he gets in office, as long as he has the idea of the major policy positions, as long as they're feasibly doable, and as long as his moral compass is straight, which I believe Bernie's is, because um, Donald Trump's lacking a lot of specificity as well, but the guy's a dick, so that's the huge difference between them two. But I still, by the way, want to, I'm thinking I really want Trump versus Bernie Sanders. Enough of the establishment good old boy bullshit politics where we can't change anything. Both these guys will shake up the system. 
either one will shake it up and um I think America would come to its senses before November and Bernie would win over Donald Trump and Donald Trump will cause so much damage to the Republican Party that the GOP as we know it will crumble. They'll have to start a new party, start from scratch, or just reassess and never be the same again, which I think would be a good thing because the party's been hijacked by extremists. Radical Islamic extremists. I'm kidding. But extremists nonetheless. They're extremists of all stripes, y'all. Zebras got stripes. Black stripes and white stripes. We all know that. White stripes are a band. We all know that as well, but less people know it, probably, on account of it being a particular genre of music that was popular at a particular time, and zebras is something animal like school children learn about. And you don't forget it as an adult. Zebras really stick with you because they're a very black and white issue. Um, on personal notes, as I like to quickly highlight for you, I'm on a diet on another MyFitFoods Serious, intense, gluten-free, calorie restriction, 1,400 calorie a day diet because I don't like to work out. You know, I just started doing that as well. And I've lost in about two weeks about five and a half pounds. I plan to lose another 10 pounds in the next two weeks before, or at least seven more, in the next two weeks before Political Idiot Test tapes and airs same day on April 20th. And, of course, Season 3 of Idiot Test, April 12th, GSN. Um, but today wasn't just a crazy day. I was in New York all of last week co-anchoring ABC News Live, their live streaming news broadcast, co-anchoring with the wonderful permanent anchor there, Amna Nawaz, um, at Nawazistan, N-A-W-A-Z-I-S-T-A-N, um, on Twitter. And it was an incredible honor. I can't believe I was working at ABC News, my desk where I was preparing stories all week, was 15 feet away from the ABC World News Tonight with David Muir desk. I saw him doing the news right next to me. I was in the background of the news. It was insane. Um, and I got to be a serious news anchor. Granted, a very silly, stupid, bananas news anchor, but also serious at points because I couldn't joke around during like going live to Brussels with an update from an ABC reporter to see how the city was coping with the terrorist attacks or when there was an active shooter at the Capitol building in D.C. That's a time for seriousness, and that's not my typical strong suit, but it was a real challenge to do it. It was such an honor to do it. One of the most challenging things I have had to do in many, many years. So it was really cool, and I thank so much Amna and Sarah Amos and everybody at ABC News for giving me the opportunity, and hopefully I get to do it again. Um... But most importantly, above all of this, you guys, but above all this, I wish you love, and I am on Snapchat, and I'm all about it. Those of you who are following, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm addicted to Snapchat, and I'm going to keep doing it because it's really easy for me to create content for it for some reason. And I'm creating characters, weird little vibe things, little parts of my life, showing you different things I see, and just creating funny, weird narratives every day. Funny, I think. I'm the one creating them. Of course, I think they're funny because I'm trying to entertain you with them. But people are really enjoying Snapchat for audience growing every day. So add Ben Glebe on Snapchat. Do that. We always start with the most important story. Rob Kardashian is getting married to Black China. I don't know who that is. I don't know who either of them are. Couldn't care less. Yet I'm happy for these people for finding whatever it is they found that will probably last nine months. So great for them.
Wisconsin primary results are in. Big, uh, sort of as expected, but big shakeup day for the presidential campaign. Donald Trump defeated badly by Ted Cruz, Tedward Cruz, as I prefer to call him, out of thin air, uh, by about 20 points, beat him 50 to 33, 17 points. Um, and they say that this win for Cruz is probably going to make it incredibly difficult for Trump to now get the 1,237 delegates necessary to lock up the nomination on a first ballot of the convention, and it'll probably lead to a brokered, contested convention, where who knows who, who could end up be, being the Republican nominee. Could be Cruz, could be Kasich. I think more likely it's going to be Mitt Romney, or even more likely than that, Paul Ryan's probably going to do it. Um, so it's very touch-and-go, it's very interesting. Uh, Trump would need to win about 65% of all the remaining delegates to clinch it. And he's only been averaging like 48% or something, um, or less, 45. And uh, Ted Cruz would need over 90%, maybe 93%, I believe it is, of the remaining delegates to clinch it. So that's not going to happen. John Casey would need 16,000% of the remaining delegates. So he's got a good shot. And Bernie Sanders just won his seventh out of the last eight state caucuses and primaries, including the abroad vote, but still unreal. Yet they still say mathematically he has no real path to get the required number of delegates for the Democrats, which is like 2,000-something. Um, but his goal now, it looks like, is to stop Hillary from getting the required number and perhaps be a brokered convention on the Democratic side as well. Shit go nanas in the American political system this year. That's why we're doing Political Idiot Test on the 20th. Uh, at 11 p.m. after the premiere of Skin Wars, literally a brand new format, brand new set. Um, I can announce right now, Cenk Uyghur of the, uh, I don't know if I pronounced his last name, but I apologize, um, of the Young Turks will be one of our pundits. We're still casting the other. And it's going to be a totally different format based on our brain puzzle, but very fun. And we're going to try and dissect this political craziness as we do on this podcast for oh, about five years. Minus a couple breaks. I'm only human. I'm a one-man staff, y'all. Um, but, you know, shit going crazy. John Casey got 14% in Wisconsin, so he's probably super ecstatic about that and is eating cake or pie. Twitter wins deal to stream NFL games, Bloomberg reports. They're going to be streaming Thursday night NFL football games, full three-hour sporting events. Yet, they're still going to keep us to 140 characters? They even let us put a link in a tweet without counting like 37 characters against us. Who and a what now and why please stop it? Trump loves women but wants to punish them. NBC did not report in those words. There must be some sort of punishment for women who have abortions, Donald Trump said Wednesday afternoon during a pre-taped MSNBC town hall with Chris Hardball Matthews. He's the hardest balls in the business. Um, when asked whether he thinks abortion should be illegal, Trump agreed it should be illegal. And then noting that to ban the procedure, you have to go back to a position where they had, where they would perhaps go to illegal places to have it done. But we have to ban it, he said. And then um, pressed further by Chris Matthews and kind of cornered by him, said that, yes, some sort of punishment would have to be determined for the woman, a position no one holds, a position Democrats don't hold, Republicans don't hold. Punishing the woman for an abortion that she does out of desperation is 
insane. Um, yet, to some degree, it also follows the logical conclusion of a position saying that abortion's murder. If you think you're truly murdering somebody, then which makes it in some ways an untenable position, and that's why it's contradictory in many ways, but Trump just clearly had not thought out the details of that major issue. And the man wants to be president, and again, like I said earlier about Bernie, I don't think you need every single detail about how exactly you'd unwind the banks, but to have not know the details of how you feel about such a large issue as a, a human right of a woman's right to choose a human to not have nuanced thought about that to me is much more egregious, um, but comparable as well. You know, I don't fault Trump as much for that as many did because he was cornered by Chris Matthews. And again, I don't think you need to have every aspect of every single part of your policy figured out until you're in office, as long as you generally know your beliefs. The fact is that Trump's beliefs change all over the place. And even when he realized that that was an insane thing he said, an untenable position, his campaign issued statements, he issued statements, and within 48 hours, changed his position on abortion five times. So that's a bit wishy-washy, nitchy-notchy. That's not words. Um, so it's just very interesting to see. He had the two of the worst weeks in the same MSNBC hardball. He also... Um, said he would not take nuclear weapons off the table even to be used in Europe. And was talking very loose about, look, I'm, uh, look, why do we have nukes, Chris, if we're not going to use them, Chris, okay? I'm not going to take it off the table. And, uh, I mean, he's very confused. The abortion thing threw him off. I believe at some point he said, look, I believe if women have abortions, we should nuke them. And I think using nuclear weapons when women have abortions is really a very harsh overreaction. At the same time, abortion by pill becomes easier. Sorry, Donald, New York Times reports. The Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, as a lot of people like to abbreviate it, because that's its abbreviation, on Wednesday eased some of the requirements for taking an abortion-inducing medication. Abortion rights advocates have sought, have fought, rather, regulations in Texas, North Dakota, and other states that have long mandated providers to follow outdated requirements from at least two decades ago. The set of requirements now will reduce the number of tri trips a woman has to make to a doctor while taking that pill to make sure the process is being done healthily and to make sure she knows what she's doing and is okay with it in actuality and is of sound mind, and lowers the dosage, which was seen as unnecessarily high. It also increases the number of days she has to take the pills from the previous max to take it was 49 days after pregnancy. Now it's 70 days you can take it after your last menstrual cycle. Um, but if you wait longer than that and um, don't want to get a full abortion, keep in mind throwing yourself down the stairs can still be done up until the kid is 15. I don't know why you'd want to do that. But, you know, some people, parenthood's hard. You guys get the point. Um, network news stars want Trump to fire campaign manager Corey Lewandowski for the Trump campaign. The Daily Beast reports in an obviously futile effort because Trump listens to no one, especially no one with lady bodies. Sixteen female members of the media, however, including several from Fox News and CNN, signed an open letter calling on Donald Trump to fire his campaign manager for his inexcusable and unprofessional behavior being, you know, charged with battery and whatnot for 
supposedly assaulting, as you see on video, so actually assaulting ex-Breitbart reporter Michelle Fields. The campaign has vigorously stood by the top aide because when siding with women or with bullies, obviously Trump's campaign is on the side of bullies because they're an underrepresented minority, especially in politics. America, I don't know how to justify it. I'm not as good at spinning things like that as Trump is. Donald Trump. Donald R. Trump. Our Trump. Our gang. He's, he's Wheezy. Or what's the kid's name? Turtle? Froggy? Frog. You get it. Um, he's been blaming Fields for the incident. Firstly, that never happened. Then the video shows it, and he still blames her for over-exaggerating it. Or just exaggerating it. Over-exaggerating is necessary to say, as my mom would correct me. Fox News contributors Katie Pavlich and Megan McCain, friend of this podcast, second guest ever on the pod, um, signed it. But um, it won't do anything because Trump doesn't give a shit. So there's that for you, y'all keep y'all keep in mind. Trump goes back on Republican loyalty pledge, and it could screw him. No respectable news org would report using that kind of language. Yet time basically reported Donald Trump's re reversal last week, this last week, on a pledge to support the Republican Party nominee could end up costing him some or all of his 50 South Carolina delegates. Even though Trump won all the state's delegates back in February, the state required candidates to pledge their loyalty to the eventual GOP nominee in order to appear on the ballot. Because he's now said he will, he may withdraw his loyalty anti-Trumpers, the Never Trump movement, uh, are reportedly trying to submit a challenge for the delegates to become free agents at a contesting convention, even on the first ballot. So, you know, Trump had a very bad couple weeks, really not planning. It's good to have advisors when you're running for president and to listen to them occasionally, not just, like, wing it. You know what I mean? It's fun to wing it, like, in an improv game or in a stand-up show. Less smart to wing it when you're trying to run the world. So there's that to, to mention and keep in mind. Yet another state passes anti-LGBT legislation. Oh boy, as Washington Post reports. The Mississippi House and Senate have both passed a bill that would allow businesses, public employees, and social workers to deny services based on their beliefs about marriage. The bill, also known as the Religious Liberty Accommodations Act, would allow people to discriminate based on the belief that sexual relations are properly reserved to such a marriage between a man and a woman, and that gender is determined at birth. Under the proposed law, the government allows clerks to refuse to issue a same-sex marriage license and allows businesses to fire transgender employees because it's important to codify into the law of the land purposeless discrimination that simply takes rights away from others when those very rights do absolutely nothing bad to you who is a free person with all of your own rights. So it makes perfect sense only in an accent like that. With a tinge of extra ignorance. For good measure, you hold that war? And the bill um, went to the governor and the governor signed it. And it is now law in Mississippi. Police are trying to boycott Mississippi. But it's the strongest and some say worst religious freedom bill to date. And the worst bill to date? Bill Clinton. On account of all the cheating. 
At least one bright rainbow-colored spot in Mississippi, however. Because honestly, and before I get to that bright spot, I just want to say one more thing about it. it these laws that discriminate against people, honestly, it's purposeless. It's painful. It's much like... Exactly right, Annie Lennox. It's like walking on broken glass. It's repetitive, it's painful, it's sharp, and it's unnecessary. It's better to walk on solid floors or carpets, even, or nice and soft. At least one bright rainbow colored spot in Mississippi, however, in that same state, a federal judge halted Mississippi from enacting another new law that would prevent same sex couples from adopting children. U.S. District Judge Daniel Jordan III, no relation to Montel Jordan I, this is not how we do it, wrote the temporary injunction order arguing the state's law banning adoptions, quote, obviously targets married gay couples and limits their rights. Jordan also said that the Department of Human Services policy on adoption, which currently allows discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, is unconstitutional and that it violates the Equal Protection Clause. Of course it does. The order was filed in a lawsuit on behalf of four same-sex couples who are obviously thrilled with today's ruling, according to a quote from their mouths, of the mouths of their attorney, Roberta Kaplan, a woman, on account of the A at the end of her name, Robert with an A, Roberta, Roberta. Um, so it feels like, you know, luckily we have a judicial system in this country that can sometimes mitigate the awful results of partisan assholes trying to just gin up political points in the face of people's human rights. So at least not all judges are politicized and can sometimes make rational decisions. Even in a state of Mississippi. Okay? Is that cool? Just a couple more stories here. A few more. And we go into Twitter answers and a brief thunder round for y'all. Um, Spain's Prime Minister would cut siestas, the Independent reports. Spanish Prime Minister, hello, I'm Antonio Habanderas, and I'm going to report this story for you to give Ben a raised. A raised? You're under a raised. Spanish Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy has announced that he plans to cut his nation's work day by two hours, ending the country's tradition of midday siestas, which I can't believe is still a thing in modern life. The leader of the center-right People's Party reportedly wants to get rid of the three-hour midday break. A three-hour midday break? How lovely and impractical. Dating back to 1942. Quote, I will find a consensus to make sure the working day ends at 6 p.m. Currently, workers in Spain start at 10 a.m., stay until 2 p.m., have a three-hour siesta break, and leave for the day at 8 p.m., I'd rather get the work done than party all night, don't you think? Because you can't really get much drunk and then go back to work. Or can you? Ha ha. The idea of siesta forever. Come on and sing along all night long. So thank you to Lionel Richie and Antonio Ibandaras. Antonio Ibandaras is what Chris Catan used to call it in that old SNL sketch. In my impression, I usually just call him Antonio Banderas. That's what his name is. 
And in some good common man economic news, the Democratic governors of New York and California signed into the LUR, into the law, Monday bills raising the minimum wage in their states to $15 per hour. Booyah! Under Governor Jerry Brown's plan, California's hourly minimum wage would increase to $10.50 from $10 in 2017, then an additional $1 a year until 2022. Meanwhile, in Gotham, Governor Andrew Cuomo's signature will get workers in New York City to $15 per hour by the end of 2018, with the exception of businesses with 10 or fewer employees, which will have about four more years to implement the increase. Long Island and Westchester County wants to reach $15 a year for as much as six years. But um, wonderful progressive news for working people that don't make a living wage to get to that living wage. So that's important and great. Yet corporations are still fucking you, my filthy mouth reports. And the Daily Beast. President Obama on Tuesday addressed the Panama Papers tax avoidance schemes, and Treasury Department's new effort to fight them. So I don't know much, I haven't fully researched the Panama Papers story yet, but basically these papers came out um, leaking the fact that all kinds of business leaders and world leaders around the world have been keeping money, having business holdings in offshore accounts, tax havens in Panama, in this huge bank in Panama, including the... Prime Minister of Iceland, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, David Cameron is accused of having ties to this scandal, and it's all shaking out. Um, in fact, the Prime Minister of Iceland, I'm hoping it's Iceland, it could be Sweden, but I'm pretty sure it's Iceland. His name's like, just resigned over this. That's 22,000 people still in the capital. And I can't, that's a little... Can't, I'm stunned at myself, but I can't remember, nor do I have it written down in front of me, what country it is. I'm pretty sure Iceland, okay? If it's not Iceland, yell at me on Twitter. Because I've rarely made a mistake on this podcast in five years. Why don't I couple breaks, all right? Give a boy a break. I'm a one-man crew. Um, but Obama spoke on this, and uh, the Treasury Department's new effort to fight these tax avoidance schemes. Um, mostly his remarks were about corporate tax inversions that Bernie Sanders always rails about as well how businesses often avoid paying U.S. taxes any at all by merging with overseas companies, saying, quote, uh, tax avoidance is a big uh, global problem, and address the leak of documents that show how global business and government leaders have parked billions of dollars overseas in undisclosed accounts, saying, uh, it's not unique to other countries, boo-boo. It's only here in America. It's here in America as well, boo-boo. Let's see if we can steal the Rangers tax havens. Which is not a sensical sentence of any kind. Um, but I haven't done the Obama yogi in a few years, and I felt like it was time to bring it back. Uh, and leave it to Obama to make this tax haven story about us. It's all about us, Obama. Thanks, Obama. Yes, queen. Which reminded me, I went up to Sandy Cohen at the Sirius Satellite Radio uh, building today in New York and randomly waited until he'd finished talking to somebody. And I said, uh, you have a show called Watch What Happens Live. And he goes, uh-huh. And I go, that's great to have a TV show. You should appreciate that. And he goes, yeah, I do. And awkwardly walked away because that's a weird fucking thing to say to somebody. And why did I say that? I shouldn't have done it. And I apologize to Mr. Andy Cohen. I just wanted to say something weird. Everybody always says, like, I love your show, and I do like his show a lot, but I just wanted to be different. And maybe he'd be like, that's a funny thing to say. I want to be on my show. I don't know what I was thinking. Probably I was thinking that, to be honest with you.
You never know. How often do you see Andy Cohen? Not often. Once. Once you see him, if you're me. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, back to the story at hand. Um, apparently, uh, so you said it's not just unique to other countries. The Treasury Department's new guidance on inversions, while it'll help, cannot fully close the loophole, which corporations have been taking advantage of for years. He says, oh, I want to be clear. While the Treasury Department's actions will make it more difficult and less lucrative, boo-boo, for companies to exploit this particular corporate inversions loophole, only Congress can close it uh, for good. When companies exploit loopholes like this, uh, it sticks the rest of us uh, with a tap, and it makes hardworking Americans uh, feel like the deck is stacked against them. Much like you might stack crackers and ham in a picnic basket. Picnic basket. His remarks came hours after these revelations that the Panama-based law firm Mossack Fonseca, great name, great fucking name, sounds like a, a champagne or a Prosecco or something, toppled the government of Iceland. It is Iceland! I do have it in front of me. See, I got it right. Yay. The streak's alive, baby. Whose prime minister, like I said, resigned. Over the allegations that he and his wife owned a company with millions of dollars in holdings in some of the country's collapsed banks. I know I had that here, but then I doubted myself. I shouldn't. Um, but in good privacy news, to end with a positive story before Twitter answers and the quick thundering. What's up? WhatsApp gives encryption to its billion users. The app WhatsApp, which is a great texting, video, and audio sending app, um, picture sending app, is now going to offer complete end-to-end encryption for all of its users. So like the Apple case, how they wouldn't, Apple wouldn't allow the government to crack into their phone. Now even employees at WhatsApp will not be able to see any of the messages there. So you can use WhatsApp for complete secure communications, which brings up the big moral question, what's better for sexting? Now with this development, WhatsApp or Snapchat? WhatsApp encrypted. Snapchat erases and tells you people do screen grabs. And also erases, I mean erases like I said, but it's not encrypted. So probably for sexting better um to use Snapchat, but for WhatsApp, you know, you could probably do like, I don't know, drug deals? I don't know. I'm not here to encourage drug deals, okay? I would never do that. I don't know what the, what you're trying to hide with encryption, but it's nice. I suppose to have as well. I need to really research what the Ben, I mean, it's good to not have government looking at all your stuff. That's, I obviously agree with that, but the point is, I wish they could just add in Snapchat, like, tell you people, people screen grab stuff is the point I'm trying to make. And on that incredibly awkward, meandering note, it's time to check in with the Brain Trust, the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Glebe Squad, the Glebe Club members and all of us, the Glebe, just, just the Glebe, the Big Glebers and all of us, Big Glebers unite. It is time. To check with the friends with benefits. It is time for Twitter answers. It's the Twitter answer part of the podcast. Uh, everyone's panned Batman versus Superman, but we still love superheroes as a nation, as a humanity. Which led me to the question, what superpower would you want and why? And Ray Long, our old friend at Geek Gamer Guy, says, best superpower, money, cash, dollar, dollar, bill, yo. 
strong point right there. His, his point is some social commentary there. Is that money is in fact the greatest superpower and it's attainable, yet controls so much and should it? Rochelle Cochran at Rochelle underscore cock. The ability to turn water into wine because duh. At Jesus, hashtag wine o'clock, hashtag wine o'clock again. Hashtag Twitter answers. Great answer. Solid, very, solid, solid, very answer. I would do whiskey, but still. Gexio Gexish at Gex and Gexio, our old pal. The power to have any power I want at any time, simply because of convenience and to break the system. It's kind of one of those answers that you're like, the power to, like, I would, I would want more, more, more wishes. Is it a good answer or is it, is it, you know, kind of cheating the question? I don't have an answer to that myself. So maybe my answer is cheating the question as well. Ethan McCarthy writes, I want the power of producing witty tweets so I can then think of a better power. That's a pretty clever answer. I like that. Tom Hannafy at The Obsolete Man says, I want to be God, but then I wouldn't exist. Oh, I see what you did there. Interesting. Existential. Religious. Questioning. Atheistic. Clever. Tabby Cat at Tabitha Wallen to have complete control over time. Life is too short for regret, but then again, I could lengthen my lifespan. It would be nice to control time like Evie and out of this world, at least to freeze time by putting your two fingers together and sneaking around, and maybe your Uncle Buzz Belmondo has a slight clue. But other than that, no one really knows what's going on. Hunt at Half Gone says, I would love to be able to talk to animals. Imagine the hours of conversations I could have with my dogs. No, thank you. I don't want to imagine that. I mean, enjoy them if you could ever get it, but I don't want to imagine it. That would take me hours. To imagine hours of conversations would take me hours. And I don't have hours to imagine your imaginary conversations. You get my point? Sarah Hartley, to end this up here at FunGurly728, says, My answer doesn't solve any world problems, but I'd want the ability to eat chocolate and not gain weight. And that, my friends, is the correct answer. Um... I wanted to encourage you all to watch abcnews.com slash live every day, their live stream event. You can see longer, even when I'm not there, co-anchoring co with them, um, which will not be for a while again, if it ever happens again. But they're incredible. Amna Navaz is so great of an anchor, such a lovely person. And um, they cover fuller events. You'll see all kinds of different events around the country. They have reporters all over the globe. And... Um, You'll sometimes get to see longer chunks, of longer, like a whole 20 minutes of a Chris Christie press conference or the candidates holding campaign stump events. And they have four live streams going at once, five actually, so you can watch things in their entirety oftentimes. Um, wanted to also let you know, again, Season 3 of Idiot Test, my television game show, premieres April 12th, a brand new, amazingly different vibe season, the premiere at 10 p.m. our new time slot, Tuesdays at 10, with Dr. Drew, Mike Catherwood, Glozell, and Gabby Dunn, YouTube stars. And Political Idiot Test, brand new format, special for GSN on April 20th, in coordination with Pop Sugar. Follow me on Snapchat at Ben Glebe. Stand updates, I'll be at the La Jolla Comedy Store April 29 and 30. Edmonton, the house at the uh, Comic Strip, rather, May 5 through 8. Vancouver, Canada, The Comedy Mix, May 12th through 14. Minneapolis, Minnesota, The House of Comedy, June 2 through 5. San Antonio, The Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club, June 23 through 26. St. Louis, Funny Bone, August 4 through 6. Chicago, Zanies, August 24 to 27. Hashtag Glebe Live 2016 for 
a lot of posts about dates or just glebe.benglebe.com slash calendar. I have a new website launching in a couple weeks too, so get your last fill of the old and current. Benglebe.com. And follow me on YouTube.com slash beglebe. And now, without more further ado, and without the word more was not needed there, Roger Moore was James Bond once. It's town for fun around. Yeah, it's the Thunder Round brought to us as usual by at UK Brain Trust, the British Bureau of this fine podcast, compiled by Chris Carter in Blackpool, England. Because this is the international podcast. It's last week on Earth, not last week in America. Y'all get it. Bullet lodged in Florida man's testicle after wife shoots him for cheating. I didn't even read this story. Did not even read this story. But just wondering how big are this guy's balls? For a bullet to get lodged in there. You know what I'm saying? It must be a large ball. Large testicle. Children form human arrow during Easter egg hunt. For the last story in this week's podcast. Children form human arrow during Easter egg hunt, I repeat. And I realize that makes no sense out of context. But allow me to give you the context. Allow me some context, okay? A group of children on a countryside Easter egg hunt help police... In their police helicopter, locate two suspected burglars by forming a huge human arrow lying on the ground, all of the kids, pointing in the direction of the escaping men. Around 30 children and adults have been playing their egg hunt when they saw the National Police Air Service, or NPAS, helicopter circle above. A force spokesman said the helicopter crew relayed this directional information to Surrey police officers on the ground, and two men were arrested shortly thereafter. Uh, it would just confuse me. Maybe I'm not meant to be a detective. But all of a sudden, I see kids in the shape of an arrow on the ground. I stop. I land the helicopter, ask if they're okay, if they've been poisoned, why if they've all had strokes, why they're lying down. I don't think, oh, of course, they've formed a human arrow pointing towards burglars. I mean, that would be the last thing you would think. I would personally think. And this podcast is already at 37 minutes, so super short it is not. But why not? N-Pass Sergeant Paul Soshan said, I'm sure the last thing the group of daring capital residents expected when they set out on a Friday afternoon egg hunt was to abandon it to assist in a police search. And that whole phrase could have been not said, because obviously that's the last thing they expected. A 28-year-old man and 27-year-old man were arrested on suspicion of burglary in connection with the incident. Both men have been released on bail until May 13th, pending further inquiries, or until the children lay down in the shape of a courtroom. Until last week, next week. This has been Last Week on Earth. It has come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space. The mysteries of creation are there. Up in the sky? Up in the sky. The moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.